today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. It's almost like a teaser. It's like a preview. It says, but this is not the whole thing. John got to see that glory. And when Paul writes, he says, man, there is nothing here that can be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us. I mean, really, family, no matter how bad you have it right now, and I know that some of you have some major struggles going on in your life, the glory that awaits you is so overwhelming. That present thing that you're going through right now, it can't even be compared to what awaits us. Have you ever seen the sun shine through a small break in the clouds on an overcast day? It's like the glory of the Lord shining down on us. Pastor David reminds us that God is so good to us to give us glimpses of heaven through nature. We have teasers all around us on a daily basis. We need to be looking for them and not so busy that we miss everything around us. Choosing to see the Lord in the small stuff can change our attitudes for the better. Happiness and joy are choices that we make ourselves. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 5 with today's edition of The Open Word. Whether you go to hell or whether you go to heaven isn't based on your works, is it? It's based on faith in Jesus Christ. And so the worst of sinners can be cleansed white as snow through the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm glad that you got that because there's a lot of people that don't get that. They just can't understand. How can that individual and your mind can go through a a whole group of individuals or peoples that you think not them but the blood of jesus christ cleanses from all sin when they come by faith to receive christ to accept that reality in their life now if they stand against it then the blood becomes ineffective in their life is it capable to forgive their sin absolutely but does it wash their sin no because they have rejected it, therefore it is non-effective. All of a sudden, this scene in heaven really starts getting intense. Added to the voice of the elders is the four living creatures, and they're singing this song and Verse 10, you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And again, just the intensity of all of that going and growing. Now, when you get to verse 11, comes the voice of the angels. Lots and lots of angels. Listen to what it says. Then I looked and I heard the voice of how many? Many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders. And the number of them, the number of the angels, was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of 
thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. For John to say that there were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, you know what that is? That's a Hebrewism for saying, that's a bunch of angels, okay? (laughs) They were beyond counting. And I believe that that visual impact that John just, again, had to be totally blown away again. This this guy is just, you know, from one scene to the next scene to the next scene, just, I believe, overwhelmed with all that's going on. But it didn't stop there. You realize it didn't stop there with this innumerable host of angels that's praising and glorifying and worshiping the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And they're praising and worshiping the Lord. Then you get into verse 13, and it says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, John says, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Did you really hear that? And do you see that? From the smallest of the single-celled creatures to the greatest of all that God created. They're worshiping the lamb that was slain. I've never heard an amoeba praise the Lord. But John did from the least of these. They say that, you know, you can hear the orca wells and, and the dolphins, you know, sing and they make all this noise. I don't believe that's anything compared to what John heard that day and what we, I believe, will hear on that day. Because I believe for John, again, as we shared, I believe in chapter 4 when he tells John, hey, come on up here, and boom, I was in heaven. That is just a type of us, of the church, being raptured into heaven because we don't read any more about them on the earth. But all of creation praising, how and when is that all played out? Because the scroll hasn't been opened yet. The seals haven't been broken. The trumpets haven't sounded. The bowls haven't been poured out. Satan's not bound yet. So how can every living creature in heaven and earth be praising the Lord? You need to realize that in heaven, there are no Timexes. There's no Rolexes. There's no clocks at all. It's a done deal, I believe, at that point in time. And again, that's hard for us to comprehend because we are time-driven. We're focused on, again, gee, are we on daylight savings time or Pacific savings time? You know, in Arizona, the world revolves around us. We never change, okay? We, We stay the same. But in heaven, there is no time frame. So when we can look at this and we can see all of this worshiping, I believe that it is just a culmination of what will be happening there. Now, in John's time frame, We're going to process through this book of Revelation because John is seeing these things in order to be able to write them all down. How long is John in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? Anybody ever have a dream that seems like it went like forever and then you wake up and it's like only like three minutes or five minutes and it's just gone real quick? 
I believe in the same kind of a format. I believe that John could have been in the Spirit for a half an hour or an hour, maybe two hours, and the Lord could have revealed to him this entire thing. Say, wow, that's a lot to be revealed. My God's big. He's able to do that. And I believe that he's able to just, again, show these things. So suddenly it's there, and John says, wow, it's going to take me longer to write these things down than it did to see them. We look at these things, and it's just absolutely overwhelming. All of creation praising and worshiping the Lamb. And you need to realize that when we read that, when we look at that, that ought to give us a deeper understanding, a deeper grasp of what Paul is trying to say in the book of Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 8, if you would. Verse 18. Paul writes to the church. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time, what are some of the sufferings of this present time? Hunger, sickness, persecution, hatred, worry, death, war, doubt, fear. We could sit here all night, and I could start with Jim over here and go all the way through that section, Come over here, go through all through this section, go all through this section, come over here, go all through this section, and end up with Dan and say, what kind of problems have you had in this present world from the time of your earliest remembrances until this afternoon coming into church? You know, and, and we could say, whoa, if you're going to start with me, you're not going to get done in time, right, Jim? But if we went through every one of us, Paul is saying all of that combined together can't even be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. And I think of what John has seen just in this portion, in this chapter 4, chapter 5 of Revelation, just in that portion. I believe that he could have gone home right then, I mean, gone back to the Isle of Patmos and say, this ain't nothing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm stranded on this Isle of Patmos. They might even beat me. That's nothing. They don't feed me for a few days. That ain't nothing because I've seen glory. And I know how great and how awesome that is. And I'm ready to go anytime. And this world has absolutely nothing that's holding me back. Nothing. The problem is, is most all of us have not seen glory yet. And so we've still got a few things that are holding us back. I think, well, yeah, that, that'd be nice, but not yet. Well, okay, maybe most of you said, okay, anytime. But I've shared with you my son, you know, when he was about 16, and we were talking about the rapture of the church and the Lord coming soon. And he said, well, I hope he doesn't come yet. And I said, why? He says, well, I'd like to get married first. You know, and now that he's married and he's got two little kids, I think he says, anytime now, anytime. <laughs> so those of you with little children might understand that, so... There is nothing here, either in our problems or our pains or our suffering, that can be compared to the glory. There's nothing here as great as the splendor of an Arizona sunset, the beauties of fall in the northeast. You could go to any area that's absolutely, overwhelmingly beautiful, and there's nothing here that can be compared. I believe that God brought those things to this earth to give us just a little taste. It's almost like a teaser. It's like a preview. It says, but this is not the whole thing. John got to see 
that glory. And when Paul writes, he says, man, there is nothing here that can be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us. I mean, really, family, no matter how bad you have it right now, and I know that some of you have some major struggles going on in your life, the glory that awaits you is so overwhelming. That present thing that you're going through right now, it can't even be compared to what awaits us. But look at what else Paul tells us there in that passage in Romans. It's not just humanity that's waiting for the fulfillment of God's glory and the revealing of the Lamb. All of creation is waiting. Look at what it says in verse 19. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. I believe that this speaks of those last days. And, hey, you know, this is all over. This, you know, God is now totally completed everything that he's designed and purposed this for. He says in verse 20, For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly. You know, when Adam fell, the curse of humanity fell on creation. Before Adam fell, there were no thorns. So those of you that have been cleaning up your yard, well, we can blame all of us, can't we? Because sin is what brought those kinds of things into the world. But all of creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So even creation itself. Verse 21 says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. If you're going to ask me tonight, how does that all work? I don't know. I don't know how that is all going to work when he says, hey, all of this is going to burn. It's going to be done away. He's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. But I believe in the midst of that, it's just like you and I. We're not going to be the same ones. We're going to be new. The corruptible has to put on incorruption. The mortal needs to put on immortality. We're going to be changed. I believe all of creation is going to be changed. And in the same way, that creation, that man just longs for it. I think about that every time I hear of an earthquake or a volcano or a rattling or shaking. Everything that's happening, creation groans and labors with birth pangs. The worship that John heard was full of praise. It was also full of, full of doctrinal truth. Take note of that because it's very, very important that we clearly understand what Jesus said to the woman in Samaria. That God is spirit and they who worship him must worship him with just a really rousing spirit. That's not what he said. He says, what? With spirit and in truth. You can't really worship God unless you're worshiping him in truth. Because, number one, he won't accept your worship if it's not in truth. We need to be people who are worshiping in truth. Let me ask you right now a couple of questions. I just think of the songs that we sang tonight, whether they were new to you or whether they were old to you. Thinking of the words, thinking of the messages of the songs, First question is, were the words that we sang 
biblically true. I grabbed the song sheets. I want to look at a couple of them with you. How merciful the cross, how powerful the blood, how beautiful your arms open for us. No greater love, God's only Son, Jesus. No other name, mighty to save, so strong to save, Jesus. By your wounds we are healed, and you have conquered the grave. And in your rising we will rise to carry your name above every name. I will carry your name, carry your name. Jesus, your name forever, for all of my days, in all of my ways. Jesus, your name forever. Biblically true or trash? Biblically true. We can save that one, Alan. We can, we can do that one again. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior. I know for sure all of my days are held in your hands, crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart. I know you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hands. Call me, guide me, lead me, walk beside me. I give my life to the potter's hands. Biblically true or just the words? Biblically true. Some of the other ones, you know, we sing. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Now, before you say biblically true or not, question on this one is actually the second question. Is it personally true? Or do we sing simply words? This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all of my heart, I worship you. That's that part of worshiping in spirit. In other words, the spirit of who I am. Am I really worshiping from the depth of who I am? Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Is the spirit of that song really within your heart? I believe that it's a biblical direction. There's no doubt about that. I have decided to follow Jesus and the other one uh, I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow as long as it agrees with my plan. Oh, you guys didn't sing that part, did you? No. Let's face it. We can sing the major portion of these, but we want to add the little taglines sometimes. It's too easy for any of us when we look at these and sing them and worship the Lord to say that's that's what I want to do, but that's not what I'm doing. I believe in every one of our lives, there's times, there's days. Maybe there's weeks, months, or even years. It says, Lord, that's what I want to do, but that's not what I'm doing. And that's when we need to sing that song. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. Heaven is a glorious place, and it awaits those who have faith in Christ. But heaven isn't the only place where we're called to enter into the depth and the fullness of worship. The depth and the fullness of worship comes in a heart that is wholly and completely surrendered. And sometimes we're there, sometimes we want to be there. We're in a journey. In the midst of that journey, 
the heart's desire, the spirit of our life, needs to be that that, again, continually remains focused on him. Because there's going to be stuff, there's going to be things. Granted, hey, when we get to heaven, there's no more tears, no more sorrows. There's going to be no more distractions. Right now, we've got tears, we've got sorrows, we've got distractions. Amen? Amen. It makes it a challenge. It makes it the reality that we need to purposefully focus on the fact that, hey, in the midst of this, I'm not doubting that this is happening. I'm not saying blah, 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 blah. I don't see it. I don't hear it. I confess that this isn't real. No, that's garbage. It's real. I've got a sickness. I've got a situation with my family. I'm financially distraught. That's real. Now, we don't focus on that. But we can say, Lord, this is real in my life right now. But I want you to be more real. And the thing that's more real in our life is the thing that we focus the most. That doesn't mean that, oh, you know, the doctor says that this is going to happen. I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm just going to go. No, again, there's a move within the church today that has so much New Age mysticism pulled into it. Hey, don't say that. That's a negative confession. Really? That's what Paul said. Paul said, I've got you know, a thorn in my flesh. Oh, don't say that, Paul. It's a negative confession. Paul said, hey, Timothy, you got stomach problems. Whoa, don't say that, Paul. Don't you know? You can't say those kinds of things. Yeah, you can But again, what are you going to focus on? Am I going to focus on the fact that, that I've got a situation over here? Or am I going to focus on the fact that, God, you are in charge of this situation. And if I can't do anything about it, then I can't do anything about it. And if I allow it to overwhelm me and stress me, then I can't worship you because I'm drawn down rather than lifted up. I'm drawn down to my circumstances. I'm drawn down to my situations. I'm drawn down even to the consequences, perhaps even of my own sin. David faced the consequences of his own sin. You understand that. Yet he was forgiven of his sin. And that way David could still worship the Lord. David could still lift up praise and glory and honor. Not saying, oh, there's no consequences. I'm not having family problems. My son Absalom isn't going wacko over me and trying to kill me and take over my kingdom. No, 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 no. I don't believe that. He said, hey, you know, maybe this is just God. And I'm just going to follow him. I'm going to trust my life into his hands. Oh, that we could all be that way. Oh, that I could be that way. That I wouldn't get focused on the other stuff and remain focused on him. Then we could remain as creatures of worship, and we wouldn't have to let the rocks cry out or the single-cell amoebas cry out before we do. We ought to be the ones worshiping and praising even now. The last verse of that, of Revelation chapter 5, says, And the four living creatures said, Amen. I don't think they said it that way, actually. <laughs> With all of that worship going down, I believe that the four living creatures said, Amen! Amen! And the 24 elders, again, fell down. These guys are falling down. Just continually falling down. Not because they're elders. Not because they're old. Okay, But it's, it's in worship. It's in worship. They fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. What an awesome scene. I think John is probably saying, That's all I need to see. That's all I need to see. I'm ready to be there. Open our hearts. Change us from within by the open word. 
the letters to the churches found in Revelation 2 and 3 repeat the phrase, to the one who overcomes, followed with a promise centered in God's goodness to his people. What does overcoming look like for you today? Maybe it's just getting up in the morning, getting dressed, and going out into life. Maybe it's continuing to sing his praises even through a tough circumstance. Maybe overcoming today is holding on to that small hope that tomorrow can be a better day in your marriage. Take some time today to check out those promises, remembering to hold on to Jesus because he is our hope. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. We know that life is tough, but doing life in community can make even the hardest situation more bearable. With that in mind, here's Pastor David with an invitation for you. Hey, if you're in the Casa Grande area and you're looking for a church to attend, I'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. At 6.30 p.m., we meet on Wednesday evenings and Saturday evenings. You can find directions and a little more about the church by visiting theopenword.com. Follow the links at the bottom of the page to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I'm excited to have you be a part of our time of Bible study and fellowship. Our website, one more time, is theopenword.com. Information about the church is at the bottom of that page, the link for Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Thanks, Pastor David. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Pastor David still has much to share, though, so be sure to tune in again to continue walking verse by verse through Revelation. That's right here on The Open Word. Make-